Hi, welcome to the Garden Path Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 11, and I'm your host, Misty Little. Um, Today's guest is Trey Watson of Leg Creek Farm, which is a southern fruit tree farm based out of Nacogdoches, Texas. And if you don't know where Nacogdoches, Texas is, think about it as East Central Texas, kind of in the Piney Woods, Big Thicket region. Um, if you're familiar with Stephen F. Austin University, it's, um, it's right there. Um, it's a pretty neat little area, uh, definitely a different habitat. If you're used to southern forest, uh, from, you know, Louisiana over to Georgia, um, kind of has that same feel, a lot of yopon, uh, lobolly pine, some longleaf, shortleaf, that kind of thing. So Trey actually reached out to me back in the fall, um, cause he wanted to talk about his new book, uh, the Lazy Gardener's Guide to Easy Edibles, which is on Amazon. And you'll actually hear a little bit more about um, where else you can find that in our conversation. So we covered fruit trees, uh, especially for southern gardeners. A lot of people um, you know, try to grow apples and things that need chill hours uh, that are good for the north, but may, we may not get so much in the south. So there are some varieties we can grow in the south. Um, he covers some of those. And as well as some interesting uh, other edibles and fruit trees that you may uh, not have thought about that you may want to add to your garden. So um, I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. I do want to note that I had a cold at the time and I made the mistake of not getting water <laughs> before our conversation. So I had some coughing fits and I tried to edit them out. But um, there's a few that I just I couldn't really get without making th- the audio sound kind of weird. Um, so I'm very, very sorry about that. You're just going to have to brave on through some copying at the very beginning. It gets better at the end. Um, so you don't have hear so much about that. Um, you can hear, (laughs) I'm recording this outside. So you're hearing a lot of ambient noise and an annoying motorcycle and my wind chimes. It's a pretty pleasant day. Um, it's the first of April. So a few other show notes. I'm going to be recording soon with Elizabeth, uh, the secret garden episode, uh, the book club, uh, topic. And then I've got two more guests lined up for the rest of the season, uh, that kind of just happened. So this is going to go a little bit longer. Uh, the season's going to go a little longer than I anticipated, which is fine. And then I should wrap up by, by the first of June for sure. So, um, I have a little bit more on kind of what I'm anticipating, the third season looking like and some input I'd like from you guys um, in the next couple of episodes. But um, as always, you can find me on Instagram with the Garden Path Podcast. You can email me at the Garden Path Podcast at gmail.com um, and show notes for the episode at the Garden Path Podcast.com. So hope you guys have a wonderful April. All right, so I guess we'll just begin by if you could tell everybody who you are and uh, I guess where your farm is located and a little bit about your background. Yeah, uh, my name is Trey Watson and I am the owner of Leg Creek Farm and we are here in uh, East Texas, uh, mainly Nacogdoches County, a little bit outside of that. Um, We are mainly and almost exclusively now online. Uh, We started doing stuff uh, locally about 2002 nine I think 2010 and a lot of what started it was I was um, always gardened right and I've always enjoyed doing that and 
as a person who lives in East Texas, which is kind of part of um, the Southeast, right? United States is not really the West necessarily. We still got pine trees and oak trees and everything around. Yeah. Um, yeah. What it came down to is I cannot get fruit trees to thrive here, right? So whenever you order fruit trees, um, I'll probably order them online and I'm not going to name companies, but you know, major gardening kind of companies, um, mm-hmm. you would get those come from Michigan or um, a lot of them came from Michigan, some Northern California, but generally I had poor success growing. Maybe it's because of the um, gardener, you know what I'm saying? But maybe it's also, I, I thought that I did everything I could and they would not grow. So we started um, growing and doing some things with fruit trees that would work here um, in the climate that we have here, which is, you know, our climate in the, and especially this year, but, a lot of years it just varies and a lot of the southeast is like that and i think a lot of the a lot of texas is like that but yeah where the climate is you know really hot in the summer and maybe it's a mild winter maybe it's a especially severe winter quote unquote for us right yeah uh, but but then it, it's a milder summer and again in quotes but ultimately it's a weird kind of climate um, and so what we did is worked with other growers and then grew some ourselves to get these trees growing in this area, actually in the Southeast. And so, um, and really our climate in East and then our climate and even West in some cases, um, but really get trees that would work in the South. And so that's what we, that is what we've done. And that's what we've, um, been doing, I guess, since 2000 and I guess it was 2009. That's what I think we started. Um, we did some of the stuff locally, and then we thought, you know what, let's try um, the internet. And so I made a website that was terrible, um, but I made a website on my own and then um, eventually got a more professional website done, and we've been selling online ever since. So were you starting with, like, apple trees or peaches? What was the... Yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of it, honestly, was already kind of growing in this area. And then, yeah, apples and apples were one of the things that I really, I got the, the one tree I had success with growing up was a Dorset golden apple tree. And, and it was one that's a, a, a variety that works for the South and grows good, tasty apples and pretty easy to grow. So kind of got uh, hung up on that one and then started getting other ones like Pink Lady and Green, uh, Granny Smith and stuff that were the um, Australian kind of varieties that worked in the heat. And then eventually branched out from there. Of course, we have the traditional apple varieties too. But yeah, we started with those um, and really started, and oak trees, honestly, too. I, I raised a lot of oak trees from acorns um, and, and did that and, and, and then grew those out and sold those to people um, back in the day. Don't do that much anymore. But yeah, anyway, so, and, and I have a degree in horticulture from uh, Stephen F. Austin and a master's degree in environmental science in the same place because I guess I just couldn't leave. Um, but you know, I could, I couldn't get it. I think it was my horticulture degree in 2004. I just could not, um, I could not go find a, a high paying job in horticulture. So I right. got it. <laughs> I don't think they're still there. Um, but anyway, I'm sure in some places they are, but not in this area. So I, um, got a master's in environmental science. Too, so, um, but we've been doing that and, and growing more and trying to get more, um, and, and, uh, more trees and things like that since then. So, so in the oak trees, you were just collecting like uh, acorns from your property. I, kind I, of, I, yeah. 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 Um, I would go uh, get live oak acorns because those in particular are really easy. Yeah. Um, and I actually still have some big live oaks in containers uh, over here that I ended up never uh, selling that started out as baby acorns. Um, 
<clears throat> a few years ago. But yeah, because, you know, live oaks over a mile of winter will uh, kind of take off over the winter. And if you can keep raccoons, which is my main issue, out of them, yeah. <laughs> they like to eat those acorns in the middle of uh, in the middle of winter. You can grow those out and get some trees uh, relatively quickly. Um, so how big is your, is your property and your farm and, uh, who's running it with you? So it's, it's mainly, uh, me and, and then my wife also, um, helps out some and we have, uh, some excellent employees and, and a number of employees varies because of the season varies. And, uh, what's cool is that they're flexible, which is good. Yeah. Um, and in terms of acres, um, in total, the acreage wise that, that we own is a little more than 50 acres. Um, and it's kind of chopped up in different sizes and different places. Um, we, we always are looking for more. Um, and then some of that, a, a small portion of that is also our own personal orchard where we have Asian pears, apples, um, pears, a few peaches and figs and pomegranates. Wow. And that, and that grew, that that grew pretty big this year. This this winter we planted a lot more in there, so haven't gotten to see all of that produce yet. But the apples we have, um, <clears throat> pears we have, and and some of the others we have. But um, it it expanded pretty nicely this year. Have you ever thought about having like an apple orchard for like a you pick your own kind of setup? Yes, yes, we have actually thought about that. You know, and a lot of in the South, the apples just won't be like the grade A fancy that you get at the grocery store where they're graded with that USDA rating, right? Because especially if you do it organically, they're not going to turn out. Um, but in terms of like a you pick it, definitely we have thought about um, blueberries. We've um, we've considered that too, and actually messed around with blueberries as a blueberry farm because I there used to be a, a large blueberry farm in Nacogdoches County where we live, and uh, they for some reason closed down, but. Um, but yeah, we've, we've considered that. As well. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Cause I think a lot of, uh, people really enjoy that, especially in the Northeast. Yes. Whew, I'm sorry. I've got really bad cold and That's all right. it's awful. I'm um, hold on one second. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so I was looking on Amazon and your books. Yes. You had a lot of, I guess, what, made you start writing books and also I saw you had children's books too did you start with them or was it the the gardening books it what really I think first started it was this the, you probably saw the little book about apples yes so that was the first one and what that started from is that and it was kind of just kind of funny but like in 2009 2010 when I was really saying hey on Facebook and even on Craigslist Misty is where I really started doing it um We'd say, hey, there's these apple trees we have for sale. They'll, they'll grow well here. And I would get emails like, you are totally a fraud. There's no way apples grow here. And um, I said, actually, yeah, they will grow here if you get the right variety. Go pull an apple out of Michigan or go pull an apple out of another place like that. And it has a you know a thousand chill hours and is, is red delicious and, and get it to really thrive in Texas or the South. Um, I mean, you can in some parts, but, but a lot of the more coastal places are places that I'll have a really humid summer. It's just not going to be a real productive um, process. And so people say, is that really possible? Is that possible? I said, okay, I replied to so many emails and phone calls with the information. I thought, well, I'm just going to put it out there and see. Um, and in and, and a much more detailed uh, explanation, you know what I'm saying, than I could actually say it on email or on the phone. Right. And so that's how that started. And I was shocked when people actually bought it. 
Um, and I would steer people to, you know, hey, here's a detailed uh, look at that. Um, and then that was probably in 2010. And then, yes, I did write the children's books. My son, who was, I think, two at the time, uh, I made up a fire truck character um, for him and he he uh, he liked it. And so we worked with some illustrators and made some books. Uh, I think it was a series of, I think we ended up doing like six or seven books in that series. Um, and so it was just fun. And, uh, and we did that. And then in 2013, I wrote Southern Bounty, which was kind of a, a labor of love. It's something that's the native plant that I grew up eating and that native like like uh, blueberry and muscadine and the things that were the native stuff to the southeastern United States. And of course, there's plenty of other edibles. But these are like, in my mind, the things that are good. I guess. Yeah. Right. It isn't like the salt briar that grows around here. You can eat the top off of. I'm sure it's good, and I've done it. It's, but it's not something I'm going to go enjoy cultivating uh, right. you know, and enjoy it. So that is what I wrote in 2013. That one I did pitch to um, several publishers, but I'm I guess I'm kind of impatient, misty, and I didn't feel like um, waiting around for months. And uh, and I did hear back, and, and and everything I heard back. I mean, I don't. Some of it was probably a form letter, so I'm not like. A legend in my own mind right but right i heard back you know oh we like this but it's too regionally specific because it's uh southeastern united states so give us one that's not as uh broad based now like, you know what with the internet and everything now i don't even need to worry with that right and so what i did was go ahead and have it professionally designed um inside um and really just put it out there cover and everything like that put it out there and um, that one i ended up sending to the north american native plant society i think it's based oh, out wow. of ontario um and they took it and asked them to review it and so they reviewed it and reviewed it real positively in their newsletter i think sometime in maybe it was the summer of 2013 anyway so with that review i was able to take it to barnes and noble and uh, ask for inclusion in Barnes and Noble stores. So it is in certain Barnes and Noble stores. I don't know which one. It's in the um, it's in the southeastern United States and various ones. And you can order it uh, from Barnes and Noble. And so that was a lot of fun. And then I did the um, the Southern Gardener's Guide to Growing Fruit, and, uh, and that one was a blast because that was the experience that we've had uh, messing with growing um, the various kinds of fruit um in this area and then how to do it and what varieties are good and it's kind of a specific uh, rundown for people who are looking for that kind of thing you know and then the most recent one was the one that i visited with you about on uh instagram yeah <laughs> and then flaked out on you for a few months um what was the uh lazy gardener's guide to easy edibles and that one was really fun but it, it was born out of kind of a unique experience and in my own life um, with coming up and figuring out what those plants were it was some of it was intentional but some of it was just completely accidental so that that one is the most recent one and and that one is available uh, soon hopefully in Barnes and Noble because we already have the other one in there and, and it has a broad-based uh, information for people in it I think would be good <clears throat> but I'm still working with them to facilitate that so it's the lazy gardener's guide. So yes. what what would lazy gardener uh, mean? Like, oh, is sure. it simple, how is it simplified? I guess kind of what edibles would you be like, Hey, I'm going to plant this and I don't have to do much with it. So give us some examples. Yes. yes. So examples why, and, and I'll throw these out here. Some of them are, are kind of out, out of the ordinary. I mean, there's like the, um, 
what I would call the uh, prickly pear cactus. There's acorns, there's fennel, and then there are other herbs. I have it in front of me here. There's yeah. the, um, you know, there's the um, greens of different kinds. That you can just kind of set out and forget it um, at the right time of year. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Right, right. Because um, you can't, obviously, I don't think I'm going to do that in July. Um, garlic, there is a society garlic, which is one of my favorites because you, you can hardly kill it. Um, purslane, um, radishes that are easy and fast. And then roses, if you grow the right variety of roses that you don't have to spray. You need those. So it's just kind of a odd variety. Service berry, which is a native. Try to avoid the natives necessarily because I'd already written about that. Um, sweet potatoes in the right area. Um, and then the wild greens like dandelions and chickweed and things like that. Uh, watercress, even grape leaf you can get. Um, and that are just really easy to grow. And really what it came out of, Misty, was I always like to grow edible plants, right? I guess that's good since I'm in the business of doing that. Um, but my daughter, uh, when she was, my wife got pregnant with her back in 2000, in I guess early 2012, and uh, she ended up having a heart defect or series of heart defects and having to go in uh, and have multiple heart surgeries. And so in the process of that, I just, I mean, as you do, you kind of abandon everything you've been doing um, at home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. And and so we kind of left, you know, we'd be gone for uh, at least a month at a time. And it was interesting to come back and see what survived. What survived. Yeah. <laughs> and that which survived uh, and could still be eaten made the book. Um, that's kind of the, the story behind it. Um, because that which could just be left alone, where, you know, if you leave tomato plants alone, they're going to be covered <laughs> up in weeds. And I mean, at least in my, in my, maybe that's how I garden. I don't know. And, uh, and rotten tomatoes hanging off of them, whereas some of these others, it's a little easier to ignore and come back and actually have something. Right. I saw the excerpt on your on your website about the sunchokes, and that's one that I've never yeah. tried. But I keep seeing time and time again people mentioning those and that they were, thought it was interesting that you could eat them raw because um, I didn't realize that either. Um, yeah. Do you grow those a lot? or? Yes. So, so we have we have grown those, and yes, you can eat them raw, and they they have a little different flavor. Um, you can also cook them. I would probably prefer and and recommend, even though you can't eat them raw, just take them up and eat them. Um, I think that there is occasionally some stomach discomfort by eating those, right? Raw, or too many of them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Um, but yes, they can be done. Yeah. So and the they make they have really pretty flavors. Yeah. So like um, some of the other things like chickweed and dandelions, um, I guess, you know, I know they're edible and other people know they're edible, but I guess I still kind of like have some trepidation about just going out and getting them and feeling like, are they going to taste good? And what's, how do you jump into that and just do it? <laughs> Mix them in with the existing greens that you're eating. Um, so, so if you eat a lot of spinach or I don't know, kale or something like that, Mix mix in the dandelion leaves in with those, right? Um, and it will make it a little bit a, a little bit easier to to get into that. Okay. Um. At least that's that's what I <laughs> that that is what I recommend. At least that's what I have done with with children before, and it, right, it, it has worked. Um. They won't even notice <laughs> they're yeah. all used to eating some of the other greens. But so yeah, so that would be that would be a way to do it. Um. That's probably the best way. Um, it's just kind of get into it a little bit like that. I mean, working out 
outside like we do a lot, I've yeah, <laughs> reached down and just pulled some leaves off. And it has it has obviously a unique flavor, and uh, and, but it but it it's not bad. It tastes good. But yeah, mix it in with some of the existing greens. It's harder to notice. And but, yeah, about, mix it in with a smoothie. Oh yeah, yeah, better, smoothies so. make sense. That makes easy. You mix anything yeah. with a smoothie, and you can hardly taste it. <laughs> um, exactly right. The acorns. What do you do with acorns? Yeah. So, so the acorns, um, primarily because of where we live, I gather those wild, right? So I don't necessarily cultivate the trees to grow acorns, but there's plenty of acorns around. Um, there's there's several processes. So the the Native Americans and who dealt with acorns. Acorns are basically endemic across the whole north america and even uh other places take the acorn native americans will put them in a some kind of uh, sack put them down in the creek and let the water run through them um they're because they're bitter so they have those tannins inside the acorns right what what we do is is boil them and cut and change the water at least three times Mm -hmm. so i and i have i think i put a video maybe on youtube of this i can't remember but i cracked the uh the outer shell you get that little mm-hmm. like what i always heard called which is not a technical term misty but like the yeah. teas right um because it's that yellow, nasty yellow thing which i think my son several years ago said i'm gonna try this i said go for it it's gonna be <laughs> nasty but he wanted to try it it was bad um because of the tannin so <clears throat> the ones that have any kind of worm hole or something like that in it yeah. you want to pitch those out because some of them some of them will even the ones that look like they're whole but you go and you um you crack that outer shell and that can be composted just thrown back out into the woods keep that center portion and depending on i'll tell you how i've done it i've read other people who did it differently um but i i actually do the whole um i don't smash it up and i boil it and it takes takes a few times a little bit of time misty to boil it because as long as that water is um as long as that water has that uh, kind of a reddish yellow tint to it mm-hmm. that's still tannins coming off of it. now right. other people i've read have taken it and and smashed them beforehand and smash it and put it in there and boil it smashed and i, I mm-hmm. honestly should probably try that and i haven't done that but because i think that might be a little easier because you're getting more surface area open to right. that water to get those tannins out but, but so do that and then get it to where that water is clear and then um, dry off the acorns and smash them up in whatever way you want to smash them up. I ended up using a food processor mm-hmm. um, and take that food processor and put them in there and just chop it up as fine as it will go. Um, okay. It has kind of a unique smell. I, I really like it. It smells really good. Um, huh. It has kind of a sweet smell to it. And then you can use that either straight up for bread um, or to add to soups as a, as a filler or you can mix it with flour. Okay. Um, the first time I did it, I did not mix it with flour. I made straight up acorn bread, and I, I blogged about this on um, on our website. But it was it was a shocking <laughs> experience. <laughs> so, so talking about you know you mentioned the dandelions and the flavor of the dan, that was really shocking and and not something that I repeated because it was it was and maybe it's because my you know how our palates get used to certain things right right and so it was. It was rough. I mean, it, I, I did not finish the loaf um, the first time I did it. And so I, I think it's best, especially if you're, I think it's best anytime <laughs> just to, to, um, to mix it with flour. Right. Uh, but that means you have to let that 
that uh, pureed acorns actually dry out. Um, and so, but mix it with existing flour, and at least you have a little something a little more familiar to you than, yeah. uh, than that really uh, strong acorn flavor. Hmm. Can we go back to apples yeah, so for a second? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, well, I mean, even maybe even the other fruit varieties, fruit trees as well, but what what are your recommended varieties for, like, I mean, the South or even East Texas? Yeah, so Dorset Golden would be my first recommendation because that is the one that's going to be the, it has some partial self-pollination uh, mm-hmm. and it is the one that, that usually this year has been different, but usually blooms just late enough to avoid a frost. Right. Um, now, because we've had, we haven't had a frost now in over a month. Um, and so because of that, it did bloom early. Um, but it's you, that is an excellent one. And that one you can pretty much as much as you can with a cultivated fruit tree, you can just get it almost, um, besides pruning and things like that. Um, farther South, like Houston area, um, Mm -hmm. Anna is an excellent variety. Um, it's an Israeli variety. I think it came out of Israel like in the 60s. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's a it's a really low chill variety. So in a place, I mean anywhere really, the Gulf Coast would that be like you know, Houston, New Orleans, even up to northern Florida. Anna is good, and then another one that's very similar but that has even lower chill hours is going to be uh, I, I call it Einsheimer. It's another Israeli variety, mm-hmm. um, but it requires like a hundred chill hours. So okay. I mean like you know Houston or, or even you know uh, New Orleans, they get a hundred hours under forty five degrees. At least yeah. at some point over the winter, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right, right. And so we actually have had some customers with a lot of success with apples in Houston uh, with those two varieties. Um, and Einsheimer doesn't even, I don't think, need a pollinator. I have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it does better with one, but it'll produce apples just on its own. On its own. Um, yes. Now, have you heard of the Carnivale apple? I have not. Um, that was being rolled. That's what the one apple we have. Um, it was being rolled out three or four years ago by uh, the urban harvest down here in Houston. And I think yep. it was bred. I think it's from Brazil, which would be maybe why it's called yep. Carnival. Um, and it's for, yep. um, it's for a low chill apple. And we haven't had apples. I think we may have had like a little one that tried to set fruit last year, like one and it fell off. But yep. um, that's kind of the one that's being touted around this new, but I didn't know if you had more experience with it or not. And um, that's just I what we're going with for now. So, Yeah, no, that's pretty awesome. And, and I'll tell you one, too, that I, we, I just recently got introduced to this season. There's a, There used to be a lot of um, apples in the South. And there used to be something that, you know, every farm had an apple tree all the way up and down Texas or Louisiana or wherever, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of those varieties were lost. Until we were left with some of the more commercial varieties, uh, mm-hmm. which is why they're having to bring some in, I guess, from like Brazil and Israel. And, and uh, I guess some of the ones come from Australia. But there's one that we have this year called Virginia Beauty. And, and it's, a, um, it's an old, it's from southwestern Virginia. But there's no one even knows how many chill hours it requires. Somewhere between <sighs> six and 800 seems to be the estimate. But it's an old one that came from like the, before 1820. And it was grown extensively in that area. And so we're just now trying to get it back out there. But it's kind of a, it's one that, you know, they grew back before there were herbicides and um, insecticides and fungicides, you know. Right. So it's one that I haven't had the opportunity to grow out fully. 
um, to see how it goes. But we we have the the trees grafted with it, and it's and it's from it's from that area. It's supposed to be a pretty neat um, apple tree. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's really cool. That I mean, it's kind of a lost history uh, with plants in the South for sure. I mean, I know there's like a bunch of people who are trying to resurrect old bulbs and things like that, but the fruit trees, I don't think people realize how many varieties there used to be. Yes. Right. Yeah. There's a book that, that I've only read portions of, but it's on Amazon. It's called Old Southern Apples. Hmm. And it, it's a guy who's done pretty extensive research on the old apple varieties that actually used to grow across the South. And, and trying to kind of categorize those and see what happened to some of them because most of them have been lost. Right. Um, but, but some of them you can still find in, in that Virginia Bees one of them. And actually, I'm going to be looking into that uh, Carnival apple that you mentioned too. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'll send you the link, uh, yes, I mean, yes. of that too so you can check it out as well. So. Yes, that's great. Um, so I guess on your farm, like what are some maybe little known uh, fruit trees that you send out regularly? We have really this year um, done a lot with native trees. Um, it sounds kind of weird, but there is a wild, or they call it deer pear variety, that I'm sitting amongst a bunch of them potted up right now. Um, we have sold those extensively. Um, we've worked a little bit with some low chill cherries that were really actually, you said little no, these are really popular this year. Um, Stella cherry and the... Um, early Richmond cherry. And those, those are lower chill cherries. There are some uh, low chill cherries that uh, come out of California that have plant patents on that we actually don't, don't deal in um, that are even lower chill. You can supposedly grow in the Houston area, but um, <clears throat> those have been some, and I forget the name. It's like uh, mini something or another. You may, you may have seen it. it's pretty unique, but like I said, they're, they're all patented. Um, and I'm trying to think little known things that we have um, going on here. We've done, quite a bit this year or, or, or I guess last year's when it was but this season um, with loquat trees. Yes. They're and, very and popular. So, yes. And so we had some, we, we had some decent sized loquat trees in containers and then we've been testing different ways of propagating those because mainly they're cutting propagated. So mm-hmm. we did some seed propagation with that. Um, trying to work on the citrus some Misty because I know that's popular. Um, we haven't done that extensively, hoping to have some more of that ready to go maybe this this next season if we can if we can figure out all of the details of that. Because Texas has some pretty unique restrictions and requirements on citrus. Right. Um, like we can't bring any in from out of state, even from Louisiana. And so you got to produce it all here and all the aspects of rootstock and everything has to be um, well, and they're starting to get, in Texas. They're starting to get picky about transporting it over county lines too. So Yes. Yes, so so there's there's some of that. Um, I'm trying to think what, what other kind of unique things we pop-offs? have going on around here. Yeah, pawpaws. Yes, and those those are some pretty cool uh, plants. Now these are one year old seedlings that we have, and they're made from um, they're grew, they're grown from seed from from native pawpaws. Um, larger fruited, but obviously there's genetic variability in there uh, because they are seed grown. Um, and so those are pretty neat plants though. It, what, what's cool about them is you can grow them in, in partial shade and actually they do better in partial shade. We have rows here behind me that are getting filtered sunlight, which is exactly what they need. Um, and so that's, those are, those are fun plants. And especially if you can 
get them through, you know, the transplanting um, that we do. And most of our customers actually do. That's one. If you read about it and say, like, well, they're hard to transplant. We, we That's are, our problem. At least. Yes. Yes, is, is the transplant. But so far over the last, I'm thinking over the last two or three years that we've done it, because we'll replace it for customers, right? If, if it dies or never or never buds out, then that's on us that it wasn't handled properly. So we'll replace it, and we've replaced a few, but not nearly what I thought we would. Um, in terms of the the balls, um, they seem to have over the last few years. And I don't want to speak too soon to this year, but over the last few years, seem to have been handled properly enough where we had minimal uh, mortality on those. That's good um, to know. Which is good, but yeah, once, once you can get up through that first year and that first transplanting and then you can get them growing and they and yeah they should do okay i've actually made a mistake before misty of i had some in containers that we were growing and we put them in direct sun and they're just mm. not going to work uh and so it, that was kind of a, a stupid error but it was one that that i did so now we keep them in you know in the edge of the woods usually uh, with trees over them because that's naturally where they grow is in that understory right um and so that's what that's what they need, especially when they're young. They can take more as they get older, but when they're these young seedlings, they need to be they need to be semi shaded anyway. Hmm. Well, I think we could talk forever, but I kind of need to wrap up. Um, if you could tell everybody where they could keep up with you online, you're on Instagram a lot, which I like, and you're always posting I, neat things I, around I, your property. Um, yeah, and then yeah, Instagram. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, Instagram has been my baby. Uh, this, whatever, I guess, over the summer last year through now, I've really enjoyed um, Instagram. I really like, I like the whole process of it. And I've been, it's fun to share things that are going on around the property or around the trees and things like that. So yeah, Instagram's fun. So that's uh, just Leg Creek Farm is the username on Instagram. Okay. And uh, of course, your website. And um, is there anything yes. people should know about ordering? Do you ship year round? That kind of thing. Yeah, good question. Um, so we're actually, and it's probably why I'm even talking to you right now, is that, <laughs> is that we're kind of wrapping up our shipping season with the bare root. Um, we are really weather dependent in terms of this has been a pretty warm winter, and so what what has caused. That, what that's caused for us is that a lot of the fruit trees are starting to break dormancy. And usually we don't see that till say March 15th ish. Mm -hmm. And that's usually kind of where we, we can hold off until then. Uh, this year it's been much earlier. And so we're kind of close to the point of wrapping up, uh, what, what we have. And I say close, we'll probably go another week or two, um, from the time that we're recording this, um, <clears throat> on shipping the bare root. After that, we do have a variety of container plants that we'll ship. It's usually not quite the selection that we normally have. Um, and it's usually different because shipping containers is a lot different process than shipping the bare root. Yeah. Because the bare root tends to be pretty, uh, you know, the bare root is easier to ship and also easier for the customer to deal with um, when they get it. Whereas if you ship you a humongous container, yeah, uh, you know it's a little bit more challenging to manage just that box and having that. Anyway, so we'll do some of that um, through early summer, I'll say through May. Uh, but for now, we're kind of wrapping up. But normally, we start shipping uh, late November and and continue March the fifteenth or so is what I can anything. We'll just kind of be around. Uh, we'll be on. We're on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com/slash Light Creek Farm. 
Okay. And pretty extensively. And I and I hate I hate Facebook when it's used just to sell stuff to people. So we we obviously use it for that, but we also use it to just give information so people can be successful in growing their own fruit because that's a lot of fun and, and yeah. a lot of freedom involved with that, and it, and it's a good thing to do. Um, so those are probably the two, the the website. Had a truck drive by uh, <laughs> um, sorry. Um, but the website, Instagram, and uh, Facebook is kind of where we're on. I think I have a Twitter account, but I sadly neglect it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thanks again for coming on and, well, A, and reaching out to me um, to being on, and we finally made it happen. So <laughs> I'm glad we made it happen, and it was totally my fault that we didn't. I appreciate you being. Nope, you broke up there a little bit. Oh, hey, sorry. No, I was going to say, hey, uh, thank you very much for being patient with me like that. Cause got, we got busy with me and I ended up um, disappearing for a while. So I'm glad we made it happen. And I appreciate you being patient with me on that. Yeah, no problem. So yeah, thanks again. And uh, hopefully we'll chat soon again about more trees. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. And bye. Bye.